our next speaker is Nadia Kadir. She is a dearest friend of mine. I know her about eight years ago. Waktu itu aku ketemu dia tuh di acara KJRI Indo, di konsulat Indo. Waktu itu aku masih, ah, my God, I just like graduated from UBC. I just start like my very first job. Um, and I was like really shy and I'm still am actually very introvert person. And I'm like, oh my God, I really don't want to go and like socialize with people. I'm that kind of person. But that day, you know, the incentive is ada makanan enak di KJRI. So that's why I came there. So when I came a little bit late and not, you know, like really five minutes before the event start because I don't want to, you know, chit chat or like socialize with people. I try to avoid that. And I end up sitting with this girl on this alley, small alleys, only fit two persons. And then this person with a big smile, it's very like, I can feel her energy so warm. She sit next to me and then she say, hi. And I was like, oh, okay. I usually meet like, you no, know, the Indonesian, like some of the olders, like really like want to like chit chat. So, oh, okay. Then this girl starts talking, like, you know, introduce herself and I start introduce myself and uh, since then, she's keep like owing me. Like she's really inspiring me from the day one I met her. When that time, gitu masih, like McGill, waktu dia masih ngambil master degree-nya dia waktu di McGill. And then she tell me like, oh, this is why uh, I'm studying right now. This is why I'm interested. Like, oh my God, were you better so say, uh, scholar, undergraduate, kau waktu masih lulus. Psychology from UBC. Then this girl already know what she wants, why she's taking it, and what her future looks like. And every since then we become friends, we still get connected. And every single year she keeps surprising me with her story. And I wish that you can, you know, that's why I bring her to the event tonight where she can share us her story, where she is right now. How, how she get where she is. Okay, now Nat, I'll pass it to you. Okie dokie. Hi everyone, good morning, good evening. Pagi, malam. I'm Nadia, hi dear. And let me just share my screen. Okay, um, fair. I think host disabled participant screen sharing. Can you click on that? Thank you. All righty. Okay. Um, this one, and I'm going to. Okay. Can you see my screen? Okay. Oh, I can see my sister there. Hey, Malu. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome, and thank you so much for the opportunity. It's my pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be talking with all of you and having this. Um, sharing time and uh, connecting time. So um, hopefully today I can add a little bit of value to your time. All right, so for today's talk, um, I'm thinking um, that I'll go over several stuff about myself um, and then through my stories, I'll share some, some of my approaches on how I think I could reach for success career-wise and what I used to do whenever I was in an undergrad. And then after that, we'll continue with Q&A. We can have a conversation. Let's keep this casual, I would say. Okay, about me. Um, I'm currently working as a research project manager for the genome editing and genomics research programs at Corteva AgriScience. Uh, my field is biotechnology, um, agriculture, agri-science. Um, and I've been in this field for about 11 years, including school. School is also there, but this is what I've been, you know, immersing myself in for that 11 years. Education-wise, I graduated from Purdue University with Bachelor's of Science in Biotechnology in 2010, um, and then um, Master of, of Science degree in Plant Science Bioinformatics from McGill in 2014. And right now, I'm actually back in school pursuing Executive Master's in Technology Leadership from Brown University. And I kind of grayed out there because I haven't graduated yet, so wish me luck. All right. Um, okay, so to for for me to be able to tell more of a well-rounded story of what i do i think i should introduce my employer as well so i work for corteva agriscience great company um, it's currently the largest standalone agricultural organization in the world 
just to give you a rough idea of the size of this company, we have about 21,000 employees worldwide um, across 140 countries. And we have about $14 billion revenue in 2019. So it's a really big company and it offers a lot of great opportunities. And that's why I love working here. All right, and so this company that I work for, what products do we offer? Um, we develop seed products, so benih-benih tanaman uh, that allows farmers to maximize their farm productivity while building a sustainable future for their land, business, and community. And then we also have our digital agriculture platform in which we deploy the largest agricultural drone fleet in the world to transform the way farmers manage their crops or their farms. So we use drone, we use high-end technology and all those fancy stuff. And then also we have the crop protection portfolio in which we um, deliver the past weed disease control solutions, chemicals to protect the farm itself. Okay, so, but what do I really do at Corteva? Okay, so I mentioned before that I'm a research project manager for the genome editing and genomics program at Corteva. So I'm gonna use my pointer here. And um, everybody's heard about gene editing, I'm sure. And a lot of my work um, is actually around the CRISPR-Cas technology. So I, I think a lot of the people here in this room are from science. So in a way, I'm, I know you took biology 101. 101 so um, all right, so you know, you know DNA, you start with DNA and DNA breaks and repairs all the time happens in nature all the time. And agriculture scientists have developed a deep understanding of the genetic and physical attributes of what they're working on, say corn, soybean, and all those stuff. And using this CRISPR-Cas technology, we are, allow, we are able to delete, edit, and replace the specific region in the gene, in the DNA, so then we can make products that is actually beneficial for the grower and consumer. So we can have a better nutrition, longer shelf life, um, disease resistant crops and drought tolerant and high year yields. So these are very things that are very, very beneficial for the farmers and the consumers. And this editing um, process actually reduce a lot of time, um, a lot of years in the development of the product itself. So it saves a lot of time. So that's what I do. And um, that's what I do currently. And what did I do before? I'm listing out my previous experience and I'm gonna start from the top right here. The first, so the top right here, um, it, I work for Indiana University School of Medicine. Work, I didn't attend School of Medicine. Um, it was um, at the Cellular and Integrative Physiology. I worked there as a research assistant. That was my very first job. And I started my job washing bottles, making buffers, literally dumping powders and mixing it, swirling it with the water and so on. So I started very low, low level in the lab. And then um, I was able to gain more scale sets um, and gain some more lab skills, uh, some more lab knowledge and skills um, because the professor actually ended up um, teaching me new things. So then I can, I was able to grow from there. And then I took an internship for a year at Dow AgriSciences. Um, and uh, sorry, not a year, internship for three months. And so before I graduated with bachelor's degree, I had two work experience. The first one is that as a research assistant at IU School of Medicine, and the other one is at Dow AgriSciences um, as a contractor. And after that, I actually got hired on right away by Dow AgriSciences to work as their molecular biologist for a year. So it was a nice transition. I got my internship done and then they wanted to be back. So I was really grateful that I had that opportunity. But after a year that I was working there as a molecular biologist, I thought to myself, I'm gonna need more education to be able to excel in the science track that I wanted to be. Um, so I went back to school. I went to McGill University. That's where I pursued the plant science and, and uh, bioinformatics program. Initially, my skill was highly in the lab. I was a lab rat. I just pipette, pipette, plating, everything. And then my master's degree, I was working on a programming. Um, so it's bioinformatics. So I had to learn how to analyze a large data sets of DNA sequencing data 
and I had to learn Python, Unix, and C, Java, and that was the mo one of the most awful experience that I've ever had in my life. But um, because that, that's just because the, lear the learning curve was so steep for me. Um, but at the end of the day, I was able to pick it up and now I feel comfortable doing it. So, I mean, it was a lot of hard work, I would say. While I was in school, I um, worked as the graduate research assistant and also teaching assistant to earn some more money. Um, so then I can uh, lower down, not lower down, like and have extra money to pay for the tuition. Um, and after that, after I graduated, um, I worked for UBC at the Plant Evolutionary Genomics Lab. So it's Professor Lauren Riesberg, and he's still there. Um, I worked there as a graduate research, research assistant, and I was doing um, some lab work, molecular biology work, um, dealing a lot with DNA and also doing a lot of bioinformatics work, like programming, and then also um, grunt work, like in the greenhouse and the field from morning to dawn. So it was a lovely experience. So after that job, I went to, I got accepted for a job at um, the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab um, with the U.S. Department of Energy Joint Genome Institute in San Francisco Bay Area. And that's where I was joining them in the genomics technologies group as a senior research associate. So I did a lot of DNA sequencing, RNA sequencing there. And then whenever I was there, um, I got married and my husband, now my husband, um, he lived in Indiana and that's why I rejoined Dow. The same Dow as the one right here, but a different logo, same company though. Um, and I joined their genomic center of excellence, same job, DNA sequencing. And then Dow and DuPont had a mega merger. So, um, they spun out into three different companies, and one of them is the agriculture division, and that's called Corteva AgriScience. And I, um, when I entered um, the role within Corteva, I was also still doing DNA sequencing. I was a bioinformatics analyst, so my job was solely um, analyzing DNA sequencing data. And then, so my career track up to that point has always been science, science, science. But then I thought to myself, what do I really want to do? what is my aspirate, career aspiration? I love leading people. I love teaching. And I feel like I want to go to the people management um, track. And so I got an opportunity, a job offer as a research project manager. That's what I am right now. So before this job, I was purely science. And right now I'm just starting to pick up um, more managerial um, tasks. Okay, so I mean, that's the history of my career. And if I draw, I'm from Bogor, by the way, Bogor, West Java, and I used to live in Malaysia. And as I draw, I mean, I really took Pacific, not really Atlantic, but anyway, who cares? Um, this is, I landed in Indianapolis, and then I went to uh, Montreal and Vancouver, San Francisco. This, so my life has been the journey of the Little Dipper. That's what I call it. Anyway, nerd. Okay. As I'm tell, I was as I want to tell more about the stories of my career. I think I wanted to enter this session section where I want to share some of my approaches that I think will be very beneficial to reach for success. I am definitely not there yet, and this is why I love having this type of session because I think we can learn from each other. My first, very first one that I this is the most important one in my opinion, is to find your purpose and make your journey meaning, meaningful. Um, when you love your job and you, when you love what you do, it's gonna be much easier for you to go through your work. So you don't, sometimes you don't feel like it's really work because that's what you like to do. So in this section, I wanted to share, what's my purpose? What's Nadia's purpose? And at the end of the section, you can answer yours, you know. Um, my purpose, I'm going to start with this chart from the UN. I'm, again, I'm working for agriculture. The world population have been increasing rapidly um, decades from decades ago. And we're at the 20, 2021 right now. We're at, we're at about 7.8 billion people on this earth. And by 2050, we're going to reach 9.7. And that's a rapid increase. We're going to have more people on this planet. We're going to need more food, right? And to meet food security, 
by 2050, the food production must increase by 70%. The food isn't going to make itself. We need to invent new ways, come up with new ways on how to sustainably farm, to make sure that everyone's fed. And these are some of the crops that um, I listed here, but it's, this is not the only crops. I mean, yeah, soybean, wheat, corn, sugarcane. Look at this, corn needs to have 71% higher yield than what we have right now. That's a lot. That's a lot. How are we going to manage that if we're not improving through biotechnology? And again, there's rice, there's canola, sunflower, and all the other crops that is so important for the world. What I do again, genome editing. So through genome editing, we believe that these tools, biotechnology, uh, can provide advanced biotechnological techniques that enable the precise and efficient editing in the DNA of the plant. And why do we want to do that? I mentioned before, we want to increase the yield. We want to fight malnutrition in third world countries, for example, by increasing the nutritional profile, like enhancing their amino acid, essential amino acid, and so on and so forth. And then we want to help out the farmers so then their crops will survive environmental stress, like disease, like drought, like flood, and, and stuff like that. So this is why I do what I do. And this is who I do it for, other than the consumers, right? The farmers are the backbone of our society. They're the men and women who work in searing heat and bitter cold, so then we can put so then we can have food on our table and clothes on our backs. And farming creates opportunities to lift people out of poverty in developing countries because over 60% of the world's working poor works in agriculture. And that's how important farming is. That's how important agriculture is. And sometimes we forget about that. Um, and this is why I think, I personally feel like it's cool to be working in this area and that's my purpose. So what's your purpose? And that's for you and yourself to answer um, why you why do you want to do what you do? So shifting the gear on the next tips and tricks that I feel like is important. This one is to make yourself marketable. I believe that to get ahead of your peers, you will need to have more skill sets, experience and knowledge than what they have. Um, so I got this data from Job Outlook 2017. In essence, employers, about 60 and 70% employers like to prefer uh, prefer to hire candidates with the relevant work experience and about 20%, okay, we don't really care what experience you have, just you, but you have experience. And a very small fraction of that, very small fraction, they don't care that if you have experience or not. So the take home message here is to get work experience before you graduate through internship, co-op or part-time job. I told you before I did two, I had two working experience um, before I graduated. And I feel like that's why I'm here right now because that's how I got opportunities. And some, some tips to kickstarting your career in science as an undergrad, because um, I know that a lot of you here are undergrad. And I think it's, it's, it's these, some, these are some of the tips that have been helping me and others as well. First, you go to a classroom, right? You have your professors. Your professor work for a university and they do research at the university. They don't just come to the class and teach you. They are doing research, they're writing grants. So they have a lab most of the time. And it's good to get to know your professors and faculty members. Like what are their research areas? Be curious about it. Connect with them during office hours, show your interest. And then you can inquire about job opportunity. And if they don't have any, just ask them, can I shadow one of your graduate students? I really wanna know what you do in the lab. And that's gonna be a good experience. It's gonna be eye-opening for you. And um, do not get discouraged to start from the bottom. That's what I did. And some people think that you go to the lab and you're gonna look cool with all your pipette and oh, I just do those kind of stuff. No, I started from the sink. I washed the bottle. And that's okay, because from there, you're only going to take off. Um, and secondly, your previous efforts matter. I understand that finding a job opportunity, sometimes it just doesn't work out. But you, there are other opportunities out there. I believe that one is better than none, even if it's irrelevant. There are many volunteering opportunities on campus, like through student organizations. Or if it's on campus, all you have to do is go on Google and and Google Volunteer Opportunity Vancouver, Canada. And then you'll get um, a tons of hit at 
you know, you can take a weekend. I mean, after pandemic, this is advice after pandemic, maybe. But I mean, even during pandemic, there are a lot of food banks that need some volunteers and you can do it outdoors too. You know, you can take a weekend and, um, you know, gather some of your friends like, hey, you know what, this will be a good team building or friends um, activity. And you're, you get to help other people as well. People in need go to food banks and or clean up the city and things like that. So, okay, third, create your own career map. Um, what is your end goal? I'm quoting the end goal here because sometimes you don't really know where the end is and that's okay. That's completely okay. First, I think to create that navigation or your GPS of your career, you need to define your career goal. What do you want to be? So this, whenever you're already in your job, assess yourself. Do you want to be in upper management? Do you want to be a people leader or do you want to be a recognized expert in your field? Do you want to be like a food scientist or do you want to be like, um, you know, like the managers, for example, the managerial track. Evaluate your strengths and weaknesses. Building on your strength will help you excel faster because you know you already have it. You already have it. If you like to, if you like to um, just be a, if you like to be a bench scientist and that's what you do good at and you're so introverted and you just like to design your experiment, you know, do so. That's okay. That's that's your, what your strengths are. And then gain insight from your colleague. Whenever you're at work, it's important to have 360 feedback. You know, ask your peers, ask your boss, even your boss's boss, like what's your weakness? What are the areas of improvement that you can keep working on or and what are your strengths? Um, and the third, determine what you need to achieve between now and your ultimate goal. So whenever you land on your first job right here and you're still trying to figure some stuff out, then that's okay. That's completely normal. Um, but you need to know, let's say you're at the job three right now and you want to get here at job five. You need to know what is it that you need. You need do you need an intermediary position for you to get there because you can't just jump there? And what skills and qualification do you need to gain? And this is the reason why I'm going back to school because my background is purely science and I want to go into the managerial track. So I have, I wanted to gain more skills by learning more about business and become more versed at that. Um, and that's why, that's what I do to um, enhance my qualification to get where I want to be someday. Fourth, network effectively. Um, I want to highlight that it is not about how much connections you have on LinkedIn. This is, that's not, that's just adding friends. You can do that on Facebook. Um, focus on developing a relationship with your connections. So it's a two-way street process. You, you share information, you ask questions, and this is a way to relate to others. It's important to remember when you connect, it's not because you want to, you want a job or favor from them. So connect genuinely. Uh, attend seminars, talks, and networking events. You can learn a lot of new things from doing so, and you can enrich your knowledge bank, and you can be more, and you're going to be no, more knowledgeable in your conversation with the connections. You get to meet new people, connect with the speakers, and so on. And do maintain your network. I know you, you can't do it um, to all of your connections, but for the ones that really matter, um, make sure you take time to do so. Last but not least, establish a productive mentorship. Um, my tips is to get to know about them first. So first, I think it's good to develop relationship with the potential mentor first. This is a time and an energy investment between you two. So you need to ask yourself, are they the right fit for me? And for the mentor to ask themselves, is this person the right fit for me? Can, will I be able to help them out? And second, Determine what is it that you need help with. Assess your vision of your career goals. So go back to that career map that I talked about before. Where would you like to be in one, three, five years? And what's standing in your way? Third, make the best out of it. Um, of course, treat your mentor with gratitude and respect. And to do that, you want to be punctual and prepared. When you meet with someone, you want to be prepared. You want to make the most of their time to be as productive as possible. Um, and then you can you get to share your progress with them. Just remember, and I've heard this from um, one of my mentors that um, some of their bad experience mentoring people is when the mentor come to them and treat them like a therapist. You're not coming to your mentor to complain about your coworkers. 
You're not coming to your, I mean, you can share them productively and professionally, but you don't want to come to them like you're talking to a therapist. So um, they want to groom you. They want to take you to a path of success and we need to help them out to do that also. And um, the fourth tips um, is to find a mentor within and outside of your department. So I mentioned before, I work for a really big company and I work on my, my home is in R&D. And um, it's been really useful for me to have, I have one mentor in R&D and I have another mentor in um, actually in supply chain. And sometimes when I have problems or not problems, when I, I need an input, okay, I have these challenges and I need some inputs. So these are some of my approaches. What do you think? The mentor outside of a department, sometimes they have a fresh look because they have a fresh perspective. They don't, this is what they don't do every day and they could give you uh, some kind of an out of the box input. So that's been useful. All right, so I wanted to, um, last, this is my last slide. Um, I wanted to show this picture that I love. Um, and also this quote in the book of Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, written by Carol Dweck, she said, a growth mindset thrives on challenge and sees failure not as evidence of unintelligence, but as a heartening springboard for growth and for stretching our existing abilities. It's important to see failure as a room to grow. Don't get discouraged and um, just keep moving. So with that, that is the end of my um, presentation and I kind of I want to open it for a Q&A and discussion. Thank you. Let me. Right. Thank you, Nadia, for the very um, informative and inspirational sharing session. Um, so we have a list of questions from our registration form. So the first question would be, um, what drives you to pursue a career in biotechnology? I have always loved biology since I was little. I remember my mom coming home from work and she brought me uh, a light microscope. And I remember I took a slice of leaf and tempeh just so then I can see the fungus, the jamur jamure and the antara bijibijinya itu. And I was looking at it from the microscope and I was fascinated by it. And I think there's always, biology is, has always been my passion. And um, I learned that biotechnology is actually pretty cool. Back then, I didn't really know, um, okay, I like biology, but what am I going to do? And my mom said, well, you can have two tracks. You want to go to academic, you can do so. Or you want to go to uh, basically a for-profit organization, you can do that too. So, um, and I decided to go to not go academic route because I like this route better working for a corporate so um and there are a lot of scientists in the biotechnology industry they're just so inspiring they're so bright i am literally a speckle of grain in my company surrounded by people who are so smart and so much learned uh, so much um to learn from so i think that's and biotechnology just keeps increasing as in it's a rapid change it's a rapid trajectory on where biotechnology is going um, and it's just such an exciting area to be working in. And you can work in human, you can work in animals, you can work in for agriculture and everything is just um, a very cool thing to do. Okay, so for second question, um, okay, so it is about career and life. So how do you juggle motherhood with work and school? <laughs> um, well, um, I'm not going to give rainbows and sunshine in this answer because it is nuts. You know, it's nuts as in, you know, I mean, I live in the U.S. here. If I would live in Indo, I would have an mba, but I don't have an mba here. So I, you know, we do everything in this house on our own, right? We clean, we cook, we do everything and we, we have to rain raise the baby we have to work and then all oh, there's also school so i have to say the bottom line that's nuts but i think what's been really differentiating this time for me in terms of school i feel a lot different going to school now versus whenever i was in undergrad in terms of motivation when i was in undergrad i go to class take classes and my goal is to you know get good grades and graduate but i didn't really know how to apply 
my what I learn in the classroom in the outside world. To be honest with you, that's like, you know, I learn so then I can get good grades. But right now, what motivates me going back to school is that I learn so then I can apply it real time in my job. So and in my daily life. And I think that's been very motivating for me. One, I have that motivation that keeps me uh, driven. And two, um, I've always been trying to, I, I always work on my time management. So multitasking is definitely a must. Um, whenever I'm doing something, sometimes my brain is literally thinking what I'm going to type in the email for work or what I'm going to type for my essay for my assignment for school. Um, yeah, multitasking, definitely. And then, you know, stress management at the end of the day, a job is a job, you know, don't stress over little things. Um, I know sometimes I do and I, you know, I still have rooms of improvement, but you just got to keep moving on, take it day by day and know that everything's going to be okay. So just having a positive outlook, I think it's been helping. Yeah. Thank you for the question. That's a good one. All right. So for next question, it'll be about a, your career as a scientist. So can you share with us what are some of the ups and downs of working as a scientist? And um, what are some of the memorable moments in your career so far? Ups and downs. Okay, ups and downs. I mean, as a science itself, and we do science, hoping that our, our hypothesis will work. And sometimes the down will be like, well, okay, I'm my project apparently didn't result in, in any, because I mean, the science that you're doing, the experiment that you're doing, it's not always gonna be, wow, positive outcome, very nice. But sometimes it's, you know, that's the ups and downs, but that's a part of being a scientist. Um, and it's rewarding, very rewarding to see what you work on being implemented in the products. And um, so I have the, one of the most memorable moments, you know, I wasn't the one experiencing this, but I got this story from my mentor in supply chain. So he leads a very big department and he goes to Asia a lot. And whenever, and he told me this story and this story kind of wrenched my heart. Um, he went to Asia, he went to Philippines and he talked to this farmer. Um, and then like three years ago, and then he went to Philippines again a couple of years later. This farmer approached him and grabbed his hand and like almost cried. And he told him that, thank you so much for um, helping my farm. Your company has been helping my farm a lot. I can now send my kids to college, my oldest one to college. And the, young, my, the youngest one is going to elementary school. So the fact that knowing that we're helping small farmers life has been really invigorating for me um, and I'm also very um, I keep updated and being involved in um, like some of the philanthropic work that um, the company is doing like trying to help out small hoarder farmers in Africa um, I learn from the laureates um, in my company um, about those and then it's been really, like I said, it's been really invigorating to see the outcome of your research and how it can help the society, especially in the third world country. So I think that's that's my most memorable, um, some of my me most memorable experiences. Oh, thank you. It was very inspirational. And okay, it's still this question is still about career. Can you describe more about your day-to-day -day work as a scientist working in, in your position right now? So my position right now isn't quite, a, it's still in the science world, but um, previously it was a scientist, but now a research project manager. My day-to-day -day has shifted from, so let me start whenever from the scientists, so then I can give a little bit of a, uh, a background there. As a scientist, the day-to-day -day would be, you know, you design an experiment, right? Or if you design the experiment weeks or months before or days before, whatever that is, and then you conduct your experiment, you you um, you see if it works. You keep working on you every day. You think about continuous improvement on how you improve things in the science, and also um, basically very heavy in the science very heavy in um, dealing with people, the technicians in the lab, the data analysts from the IT department and things like that. So as scientists in a corporate world, 
you're just you're managing your project and you're proposing new ideas um, and then that that's a part of the being scientist for the research project management role um, basically i mean day to day i'm in a lot of meetings so i handle numerous amount of uh, molecular technology development project and um, in the meetings basically every day i'm in the meetings and we discuss about some of the progress update for each of the project i mean it's a different meeting for a different project and then um, discuss what are the turbulences and how do we mitigate the risk and then we also have to plan the resource because imagine that you have a project and you have to make sure this project in, is in a good shape so you need to make sure that the progress is good and you have all the resources and the money that you need from the leadership to be able to conduct this project and then it delivers a result. So that's my my current job. So I hope that answers the question. I think that answers the question. And um, for numbers, okay, for our two next questions, it's kind of related. Um, so I'm gonna combine it. So for undergraduate students, how what what should they do to stand out in the sense that it could guarantee them an excellent career in biotechnology industry? And for a research lab assistant position, if we don't have prior research experience, what can we include in our interview or CV? Yes, I love this question. This is actually the one that I just discussed in my slide. So whenever you're an undergrad, um, try to get a job before you graduate. So I think what UBC have a population of 45,000 undergrads about about that and then that number and then for your particular major, I don't know, let's say 1000 and then you're going to graduate your class of something something will graduate all together. And you're going to be applying for jobs in the same city, let's say a few hundreds of you. What you need to keep thinking, what could distinguish you from the rest of them, right? So what it could distinguish you is to have a, to start loading up your CV. So try to get a job experience before you graduate. Like I mentioned before in my previous slide, talk to, to the professor, get a lab assistant job. If they don't have any, ask them. I'm really interested in this. Can I job shadow you or not you? You're one of your graduate students because their lab will have graduate students. They have PhD and master's student. And you just ask them, can I shadow them whenever they're doing the work in the lab, for example. I'd really like to learn and um, solidify um, my plan or my path uh, moving forward. And that's their job to help you out. You know, if they don't reply to you right away, professors, sometimes they don't reply right away and that's okay. Follow up with them. You know, so I think um, starting early is very important um, for you to be able to succeed later on in the biotech industry. Bottom line, you want to graduate, you want to have an experience. So then you are mark you you are basically um, very marketable out there after you graduate. Um, does that answer the question? What's the second part of it? Lab assistant. Yeah, if you don't have any prior um, mm, research yeah. experience, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so try to get a non-relevant, if you can't get the relevant one, at least try to load up your CV by the non-relevant one. Um, like if you can't get anything that's paid, you know, just do here and there volunteering experience because that you can add that in your resume and that is showing that you are willing to do work, you're willing to help out, um, because, yeah, that's, I think, so I think that would help. So at the very least, um, try to volunteer and do um, some other non-relevant work if you cannot get, until you can get the relevant work. Um, but keep trying. As you're doing the volunteer, as you're doing, let's say, another part-time job that's non-relevant, keep trying to apply to the ones that re are relevant because that's going to be, remember that table that I showed you? Six to 70% companies want relevant work experience so yep thank you thank you um so for next question is about your um current studies in brown um so how do you get the scholarship at brown yeah that's a question <laughs> well first to get the scholarship i had to get accepted so 
I think acceptance wise, you know, you have to send in the standard stuff. Like you need to send in the transcripts, send in your personal statement, send in your proposed project for your program. So I have a critical challenge program that I have to do, that I have to complete for this program. Um, and then um, also letters of recommendation. So, so I mean, admission wise is basic stuff like that. And then after you get admitted, um, you, you know, you fill out a form for scholarship. Um, and that's when you, so you have to pour your heart out in two things, the personal statement and the scholarships letter, like requesting for a scholarship. And uh, from my other friends in other university, like the other Ivy Leagues too, that's where they pour their heart out. Like they, I remember um, a friend of mine who got accepted to Harvard, he mentioned that he wrote in his letter on how he's been an entrepreneur since he was a kid. He used to sell pineapples, helping his mom selling pineapples on the street. And I mean, I know that that's what like, sometimes it could be a sob story. Sometimes like you need to put on an, an, an inspirational stories. And then also like, what will you bring back for yourself, your company or your country? So it depends like the context, if you're um, how you're applying and things like that. But for me, I wrote my background story basically. And I pour my heart out and this is my passion. And then these are the things I want to do for my company and for the world. And I think that worked. Um, so I'm just really grateful about that. Hey, thank you for sharing. And okay, we're, we're nearing the end of our question list. So mm -hmm. anyone, if everyone, if you have any questions, please um, put them in the chat and we can address them later. So uh, our next question would be, um, I think you actually addressed it in your presentation, but I think it's good to um, readdress it here. Uh, so do you have a mentor? And if so, how do you meet your mentor? Mm, through a network. So I do have, like I mentioned before, I have two mentors, one in R&D, which is my home, and another one is outside of R&D. Um, and the one from R&D, he was actually my previous leader from like my job in Indianapolis at Dow AgriSciences. So he was my leader. And then he, um, he's been making an impact in my life. I always go to him and ask him, hey, I need... Um, an input on this. I'm working on this and I feel like I'm not very convinced that this is the right way to do. What do you think about my approach? Like, you know, I approach him. And so it, I built the relationship first, you know, by genuinely asking a question, yeah, you're my leader or you're, you were my previous leader and I need, an, I need an input from you. And from there on, that's when we actually realized that, wow, we are actually, you know, doing a mentor mentee session every time we meet. So I ask, my that leader in R&D then, would you like to be my mentor? Would you be interested in leading me through my career path? And he said, absolutely. And we've been working on this together anyway. And then for my the one that is outside of R&D, um, I uh, basically attended seminar, a seminar. And I spoke. Um, so after the, the speaker gave the seminar, um, everybody left the room and I approached the speaker. I was like, I would like to introduce myself. And I gave him my elevator speech. Um, this, uh, my name is this, this, this is what I do. And I'm really impressed and fascinated by your work in this, this, this. So I, I approach him, I talk to him, and then I made connection with him. And then after that, you know, we all go home and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I reconnect again with him. That's whenever I say nurture your connection. I reconnect again with him and I ask um, some question. And then he identified a person and he mentioned, you know what, I'm going to introduce you to this person because I think he can help you out. So he can give you a perspective on this, this, this. And that's how I met my second mentor through a connection. And that's why it's really important to network. And but then again, maintain because you'll really never know who down the road who will be able to help you out. So you want to make sure that um, you treat everyone well. You ask them genuine questions. You ask for their family. Hey, how is how is your children doing? I remember you told me you have two kids. Like, how are they doing now? Are they in school? So, like, have some genuine conversation with them, not just business. 
that would be my tips. Yeah, hope that answered the question. I thank you. And um, I think for the person asking this question or anyone seeking for a mentor, they can connect with Nadia. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you'll find yourself a mentor. <laughs> I yeah see I'd be I'd be happy to like after after this session is done some follow-up questions you need some advice that perhaps I can help you um, you know I, I'd be happy to you know and I wish that um, so my company uh, that, that, that I that I work for is a really big company I've, I wish that it's in Vancouver so I can give some opportunity for people to you know what come on site you know i can show you around after the pandemic's over but unfortunately it's not there's not in vancouver but it is everywhere around the world and um so if you ever if you're ever interested in exploring more about the agriculture side i know there's a lot of food science people here agriculture is the downstream sorry is the upstream of it it's food science is more like the downstream so if you're ever interested in getting knowledge you know connect with me i'd be happy to share one two things Thanks, Nat. That's really like a really good presentation. Like I literally like learned a lot from, I learned more about your company, your purpose, what it is. Like before I know like, oh, I'm doing this thing in the lab, doing something with the sunflowers. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's because it's pretty, but yeah, there's definitely more value to it. So uh, I, I do really appreciate this session. I, I'm personally myself, like I learned a lot. Um, I have a question for you, actually. Okay. Um, being like in Indo, like, you know, we 80%, like we are third world country, like, you know, third world country, like we have, you know, 80 maybe like we have really big in agriculture as well. Um, so you say that your company also have to do some work in Indo. What kind of work that they do in Indo? How's that Indonesia will be, you know, benefit with this, uh, with this technology, the big technology, and I know I don't like we don't have that many scientists in, in like Indonesian scientists focus on this kind of science mm-hmm. line of science. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, how the how can we evolve? Like how are we gonna see ourselves in the future? Oh, so for like, so first I'll answer the first question. So in Indonesia, so the scientists, a lot of them. Um, they're in the headquarter. So the headquarter is here in North America. So that's where we do the heavy science work. In Indo, um, it's a lot of the seed production. So a lot of the field. So they have field scientists there too, but it's more, you know, like a field scientist rather than, you know, like a lab scientist and all those stuff. Yeah, a lot of seed production sites in Indo and everywhere else in Asia. So, um, and you, what was your second question again, Farah? Uh, like, gimana kalau misalnya di future nanti, like you know, with the numbers of like the populations getting high, you know, increase, and the need of food also increase, mm-hmm. um, where do we are we behind with this technology as a country? Do we need more, uh, you know, people to doing this research? Yep. So, I mean, it's a very complex question because there will always be in uh, organization that are working towards you know making crops that are more sustainable for the future that can feed everyone yada 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 but at the end of the day if you're talking about specific country it is also heavy on how they regulate it the laws and the regulation what can come in and what cannot come in and um what can be planted in Indonesia, for example, that heavily, that weighs heavily on what the regulators in Indonesia will allow us to plant in Indonesia. That's just, that's one of the examples. So, I mean, um, in that sense, I hope that is, that answers the direction of what you're going to. Uh Uh Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's a complex question to answer, I would say. Um, But yeah, I think, what is important as public is to learn about more about you know the acceptance of biotechnology derived crops and products and how it can like the potential for it to benefit the world i think it's very important um, to learn about that yeah thanks Matt. Mm-hmm.
Okay, I have one question from the chat. Yeah. It is, um, is it ever too late to change a career path? And how do you realize when you want to change your, uh, yours into a manager role from scientist? Um, I mean, to me, it's never too late, I feel like. I mean, especially our age right now. I don't think it's too late. Sometimes you just didn't figure it out early enough and that's okay. That's a part of life. You know, you know, your career path will wind and a lot of the big leaders, like the big name leaders um, and uh, people who have come to the company um, to give a, give a talk, for example, a lot of them, whenever they're giving the background, it's like, oh yeah, I used to do this, 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 but now I do this. So they have that career pivot point where they are switching their career, whether it's because, you know what, I realize this is not what I what I want to do. Or, you know what, I'm going to explore something that's outside of my comfort zone. And um, I'm taking this path. So and then after later on, they'll figure out that, you know, what I do like going this way rather than my original path. And, and that's okay. Um, and for me, myself, I think I've always known I mean, I, I've always liked science and I knew that I had to build up on the science, solidify my science foundation first, because you don't get into the managerial role if you don't understand the science. So my path has always been, you know, I'm going to solidify my science. And even right now, I continuously to do so, just not in an official job or role. Um, and yeah, and that and whenever I had the opportunity to have that was my pivot point that, okay, out of the science track, going to major managerial track. And I knew that, yep, this is the right decision. So that's, that's for me. All right, thank you. So we're out of questions. Um, yeah, so um, we're also almost out of time. So we're going to close this session shortly. Yep. And I'll just like to say thank you to our speaker and also to Nexus for um, collaborating with us to organize this event. And we'll, we'll look forward for uh, our next events with Yay. Nexus. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk as well. Again, if you want to want to connect, I'm on LinkedIn. You can just search me and connect from there too. So thank you again, everyone, for the question and the um, great opportunity to share some stories with you. Thank you. Thank you semuanya yang udah datang. Uh, yeah. Thank you Gisau, Nadia, to share the story. Um, I really enjoy this time with you guys. Um, you know, uh, if you have any question or would like to connect with Nadia, you can like, you know, contact Nexus as well. Or if you have like in a specific industry that you would like to learn or to connect with specific um person reach out to Nexus and we will be able to find and you know share the their story with you guys. Mm -hmm.